hand. We're grateful for that. But Proverbs 18 tonight, go down to verse number 20. We'll read a few verses here in Proverbs and then uh, for a little bit we'll turn over to Matthew. We'll, we'll end and finish in Proverbs uh, 18 tonight. But look at verse number 21. The Bible said, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for this evening. Lord, what a privilege it is to be in the house of God. What a, what a wonderful blessing it is to be saved by the grace of God. I'm thankful, Lord, for the opportunity, Lord, to go to church and, Lord, to know why I go there. To know, Lord, what to expect and what to desire and what to, to long for and want when we come into the house of God. We're thankful tonight that when we meet here, Lord, we're not just meeting here to socialize, to check off a religious box in our life, but God, we've come to worship, we've come to fellowship, or we've come to glean from the word of God tonight. Lord, we're fixing to open up. Lord, we've already read the most important thing we're gonna read tonight, and that's the word of God. I pray, Lord, tonight that you have me behind the cross of Calvary. Lord, what I have to say isn't necessarily important. God, my, my delivery may not always be the best, but Lord, the word of God is true. And I pray, Lord, tonight you'd help me just to expound the scriptures. Lord, help me just to say, thus saith the Lord, Help, it, help me to make it, Lord, applicable, Lord, to each and every life that is in here tonight. Lord, would you hide me behind the cross, Lord, empty out of myself, Lord, fill me with the Spirit of God. And Lord, make the, the preaching, the teaching, God, what you desire it to be tonight. I simply want to be used of you one more time. And thank you, Lord, for the privilege to serve you. Lord, I'm thankful, Lord, I'm not, I'm not forced up here. Lord, nobody made me come up here tonight. Lord, I'm up here because I want to serve you. And I pray, Lord, tonight you just help us one more time from the Word of God. Lord, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Now we're gonna see here in Proverbs 18, I don't think we realize how powerful our tongue is. The Bible said that death and life are in the power, are in the power of the tongue. Really, the reality is the words that you and I say carry a whole lot of weight, a whole lot of impact. Matter of fact, what you say can kill some things. And what you say can grow some things or, or help people to grow. What you say and how you say it is vitally important. Now we're going to see tonight that not just Proverbs tells us the weight of our words, but Jesus himself taught that our words are important. Take your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 12. Keep your place in Proverbs, we'll be back there. Uh, by way of introduction, we're going to look at Matthew chapter number 12. And really it's, it's one word in here uh, that, that has always stuck out to me. In Matthew chapter number 12, Jesus is addressing the Pharisees and, and he's dealing with religion like he's always dealt with religion hard. He's always trying to cause religion to see that it does not help anybody, it does not fix anything, it does not solve anything. The only hope this world has is not in religion. We say old time religion, but what we really mean is that only hope that you and I have is a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're gonna to see tonight that Jesus is dealing with the Pharisees and he deals with their words Look at verse number three, 33. The Bible said, either make the tree good and his fruit good or else make the tree corrupt and his fruit corrupt for the tree is known by his fruit. In essence, he's telling the Pharisees, either you're a good tree or a corrupt one. He said, good trees don't produce corrupt fruit and corrupt trees don't produce good fruit. You're one or the other. And in verse number 34, he kindly calls them, oh, generation of vipers. How can ye, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. See, the Pharisees thought they were saying everything right per se. They knew the law. They knew how to, how to express it in that sense. But Jesus said the heart with which they were saying it with was not right. 
Bible said in verse 25, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth good things, and an evil man out of the treasure bringeth forth evil things. But I say unto you in verse 36, that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment. For by the words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. But here Jesus makes that statement. He says that every idle word that we say, we are going to give an account for. And for the longest, I understood that to be, um, uh, you know, those words that we just say, praise the Lord, that's not what the Bible's talking about. Because... <laughs> You've listened to enough of my sermons, uh and um, find their way in there, don't they? But we're going to see here tonight what Jesus, that word idol, I looked it up, and it means without thought or without effort. It is the words that you and I say, the, the things that will come out of our mouth that we give very little thought to, very little effort to. In essence, it's those things that we say that we allow to come out of our mouth without thinking about. You ever had to step back and say, when I said that, I really wasn't thinking what I was saying. Those are the idle words that the Bible says that you and I are going to give an account for. Why would we not put the effort in? Why would we not put the thought behind the words that are coming out of our mouth? You say, well, why would Jesus harp on this? Why would Jesus bring this up? Because he understands the weight of words. He understands here in verse 37, he said, by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. And Proverbs tells us in verse 18, or chapter 18, verse 21, that death and life are in the power of the tongue. Our words tonight are very, very important. If the Lord made a big deal out of the words, I say we ought to make a big deal out of them too. Why? It's because it's, it's very, very important. Wisdom is your, in your words isn't so much about the level of vocabulary that you use. Right? We don't show off our wisdom because we can say big words and we know what they mean. That shows off our vocabulary. That shows off our, our study, per se, of the English, English language. But wisdom in your words isn't just the words you use, but you know how to use them. You know the right spirit to say it with. You know the right attitude to declare it in. In Proverbs 18, we see two truths concerning our words and concerning the wisdom of our words. And it breaks down to this. We can either misuse our words or we can master our words. We can either misuse our words or we can master our words. Preacher, you don't have three points. It's okay. <laughs> I've just got that. Amen. Notice number one, the misuse of our words. Proverbs 18 contains, here's the interesting, Proverbs 18 contains more examples of words being misused than it does of words being mastered or words being used in the right way. Typically, there's just a few ways to use something properly Anyways, while there is a bunch of ways that something can be misused or used in the wrong method. He said, well, preacher, how's a good way to illustrate? I'm so glad you asked that question. I came prepared tonight. I brought an impact drill with me. Really, there is a myriad of ways that you can use this. Right, there's a different things you can do with it, but the main objective of this instrument of construction 
is to take a screw and to drive it into some material. It is an impact drill. And you can drill it into wood, metal, whatever you want to drill it in. This thing's got some force behind it. That's the, that's the main, the proper use of it. Now, you can use this thing for a lot of different things. If you wanted to, you could pop this thing out and put a toothbrush in it. I wouldn't suggest it, but you can. Or you can take this thing tonight and, and, and instead of using it for its proper use, you can try to drill a hole with it. I was working in the cabinet shop and I told you, I, I came in there not knowing anything. They gave me a paddle bit and the paddle bit had the same end as this one did. It was a hex end. And I put that thing to my impact drill and started drilling. The guy said, stop! You are using the wrong tool for that. But I found out there's one thing this thing ought to never be used for. And that is a hammer. Preacher, I just got to tap it a little bit. Go, go to Harbor Freight and get you a $5 hammer instead of a $99.99 hammer. Preacher, 99, it's Black and Decker. <laughs> Amen, it's not Makita or DeWalt. Preacher, what do you want for your birthday? DeWalt, Makita. <laughs> Amen tonight. But here's the thing, you can use this in a myriad of ways, but really it has one proper use. And the reality is tonight, you can use your words in a lot of different wrong ways. The reality is there's probably only one real right way to use our words, and that is to master them. But we're going to see tonight that we see three types of words that are being misused in Proverbs 18. Look at verse number 23. We see prideful words. The poor useth entreaties, but the rich answereth roughly. The rich answereth roughly. Now, the Bible says the poor use in essence, they politely and humbly ask. There is that uh, understanding of a supplication. They are not demanding anything. They are not uh, constraining you. They are just simply humbly asking you. And the Bible said the poor person or the person who is without understands that, and they are, they are trying to lean upon your grace and your mercy, and therefore they are not forcing your hand. They are not making you do it. They are rather just politely asking you for a little help, asking you for something that they may need. But the rich man answers roughly. See, the rich man uses his words in an arrogant sense. He makes statements like this. Well, my position entitles me to talk to them like that. My, 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 my level, my credentials gives me the right to talk to you however I want to. Right, the rich answers roughly their position, their power, it enables them, it, it entitles them to such responses. And the Bible said when we allow our position to affect the way that we talk to other people in a negative sense, we're not using our words, we're not mastering our words, but we're misusing them. Can I say tonight, when you're, especially when we, we like to think, <laughs> I remember, and you say, well, preacher, does that really happen? That only happens to real rich people. That only happens to with lots of money, and it probably does. But can I say, I've seen it happen at America's favorite drive-in restaurant. Give somebody a name tag with a title underneath it, and all of a sudden they think they can talk to some people however they want to because their name's on a name tag. I remember working there and there was one manager that none of us liked just because of the way she talked to everybody. I was like, listen, you gotta talk to them with respect. 
I understand they've got a they've they've got a criminal history. I understand that they are barely under the legal limit of intoxication when they come into work. I understand that they are probably not the the who's who of America. But talk to them with respect and they'll work hard for you. I'm, I'm the assistant manager around here. And that's why nobody wants to work for you. And the reality is that we have to be careful when God elevates us to a position to not let it go to our head, but rather let it go to our heart that God would pick and allow somebody like me and you to serve him in the form and the fashion that we do. That way our words don't become arrogant, but they become humble. We see prideful words. Verse 13, we see presumptuous words. Preacher, how do you spell that? Starts with a P. Ends with an S. Just scribble some things in between it. Presumptuous words. Look at verse number 13. He that answereth the matter before he heareth it, it is folly and shame unto him. Sometimes we misuse our words because we're rather presumptuous with them. In essence, we, we presuppose or we assume something about something without ever hearing both sides of the story. One of the wisest things I have learned is to hear both sides of an issue before responding or before reaching a verdict, before giving my opinion or, or giving my advice. And the reality is you and I like that when we're the ones standing in judgment. What do you mean by that, preacher? Imagine you've, you've walked into the court case. You are, you are the accused party. And the judge says, listen, we're only going to let one party talk today. And that is the, the, uh, not the defending party, but the prosecuting party. They're the only ones that are going to get to talk today. You know what the prosecuting's job is? Is to make sure everybody knows you're guilty. You say, no, 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 no. I, I, I need them to hear both sides of the story. I need my counsel, my lawyer to speak up on my behalf and to defend me. I want that judge and I want that jury to hear both sides of the story. I don't know about you tonight. If I were to walk in the courthouse, I want my lawyer to be able to speak and to defend me in that, that way, in that form. I want the judge and the jury to hear both sides of the story. I want them just to pre, presuppose or to assume. I want them to know what really happened. The reality is that if we want that for ourselves, we ought to be willing to do that for others as well. In essence, don't pass judgment. Don't speak out. Don't give your opinion until you've heard both sides of the story because every story has two sides. Every story has two sides. And so we see tonight if you and I are presumptuous with our words, in essence, we, are, we, we don't have to hear everything. We'll just take what you say and run with it. You won't find yourself in a mess. Because notice what the Bible says there in verse number 23, or excuse me, verse number 13. The Bible says, he that answereth the matter before him, for he heareth it, it is folly and shame unto the person that told him. It's not what it says. It is folly and shame unto him. In essence, you'll be the one standing there holding the water, holding the bag, whatever the saying is. Because you jumped in before you knew everything, before you knew all the facts. We misuse our words when we use them presumptuously. Let me tell you what I heard about so-and-so. Please don't. Unless you're willing to tell it with so-and-so standing in front of you. In essence, tonight, step back and say, if you only, I'm only heard one side of the story and I'm not going to tell you what I think until I hear both sides. Matter of fact, I'm going to tell so-and-so what you just told me. 
I'm going to see if your story lines up. You do that about three times, they'll quit telling you anything. This preacher it's only take one time. Well, they'll probably forget the first time. <laughs> Notice here we have presumptuous words that we misuse sometimes. We have prideful words that we use. In verses 6 through 8, we have pernicious words. I kid you not, I was studying and getting this together and I was trying to think of a word that rhymed, not in rhyme, but it was alliterated with the letter P and out of nowhere the word pernicious came into my mind. No idea where I learned that word, no idea where I picked it up, but I Googled it to make sure it fit and it fits. I, I, was, I was shouting and praising the Lord in my office. Thank you, Lord, for that word that I've never used before in my life and I'll probably never use it after tonight. But it's the word pernicious. Look at verse six, six through eight. A fool's lip enter, lips enter into contention and his mouth calls for strokes. A fool's mouth is his destruction and his lips are the snare of his soul. The words of a talebearer are wounds and they go down to the innermost parts of the belly. Preacher, what in the world is it a pernicious word? It is a destructive word. It is a word that has the intention to destroy. And notice here in verses 6 through 8, those kind of words are not tied to wisdom, but they are tied to fools. Somebody who knows the truth but has chosen to reject. In essence, it is a very foolish thing for you and I to allow our words to enter, allow us to enter into contention. Look at verse number six. It says right there, a fool's lips enter into contention. In essence, that, that fool was outside of everything. That fool wasn't involved with anything. But they, they had, I gotta say something. I gotta say something. Sometimes the most foolish thing you can do, the Bible says, is say something. We've gotta learn to not misuse our words, they are the instigator. They are seeking destruction. They're not trying to help. They're not trying to soothe things over. They're not trying to resolve. They're trying to destroy. They are destructive. They are pernicious. Look at verse number eight. They don't want to be a, they don't want to be a pest. They want to ch cause great hurt and pain. Look at verse number eight. The Bible said the words of a talebearer are his wounds and they go down in the innermost parts of the belly. In essence, tonight, they are not, they're, not little, they're not little playful jabs. They're not just little pokes here and here. They're not cutting up with you. They want what they're saying is to get deep down into your heart, deep down into your soul and hurt you. They are, they are pernicious, pernicious words. Like when you and I use our words in a destructive manner, we are, using, we are misusing the words that God has given us to say. And we are going to stand and give an account to Christ for what we say. Well, that's going to be a, that's going to be a wonderful time, isn't it? Why did you say this? Well, Lord, I really don't have a reason why. Did it bring glory to my name? No. Did it edify the saints? No. Did it encourage the brethren? No. Then why'd you say it? Was it need? Listen, I understand sometimes, I'm not talking about being truthful and honest with people. Listen, there is a time and a place for you to stand firm on the word of God and to stand firm for truth, to disagree with falsehoods and to say that is wrong. But we're not talking about that tonight. We're talking about words that are said because we want somebody to hurt. We want somebody to feel the same thing that is inside of us. Can I say exacting revenge is never what you think it's going to be. And it never pleases you like you think it's going to please you. We're going to see, number one, tonight, there, is, there is an opportunity for you and I to misuse our words. Let me ask you, have you been misusing your words lately? Preacher, I don't know what pernicious words were until tonight, but I, there's some repenting I've got to do in my life. There's some things i got to get right. There's some apologizing I've I got to do tonight, preacher. Let me encourage you to do that. Don't wait for the devil to talk you out of it tonight. 
Don't wait for the, that feeling of conviction to go away. One of the greatest feelings you ever have in the Christian life is comfort, no doubt, but then conviction. When the Holy Spirit deals in your heart and reminds you, you are my child and you got to do better than that. We got, we got to get this right. Notice number one tonight, the misuse of words. Then notice number two tonight, we see the mastery of the words. Are we going to use the drill for what it was designed to do? Or are we going to use it for a hammer? We're going to use it, we're going to misuse it. Notice number two tonight, the mastery of our words. We're going to see in verses four and 20 tonight, there is, there is a blessing, there's a wonderful thing that comes when you and I learn to master our words. But really, how does, one, how does a Christian master their words? How do they get to the place in their life where they, they know what to say, when to say it, where to say it, and who to say it to? It takes wisdom. It takes wisdom and, and a reliance on the word of God, a reliance on God himself. Lord, lead me. Lord, give me peace. Lord, give me boldness. Lord, give me discretion and discernment. But I think a great deal of our struggle with words really goes back to that word idle that Jesus said in the, the book of Matthew. It's not so much an accidental thing. We like to claim that sometimes. I, I accidentally said that. And there are times, especially <laughs> when you do what I do three times a week, there is a great opportunity for me to get tongue-tied. There's a great opportunity for me to take two words that were not combined and combine them together, not on purpose, and it just comes out and think, I, 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 that's not what I meant to say. I don't think the Lord is going to hold you and I accountable for things that because we're human and our, our, we've got speech impediments and things like that that cause our words to jumble together. We got nerves, right? But what we're going to see tonight, it's not so much an accidental thing, but really a lot of the things that I've missaid, a lot of times I've misused my words, it was not an accident. But rather it was a lack of intent on my part. It was a lack of effort on my part. It's not so much an accidental thing, it's more of an intent issue. We want to take the idle route, but then experience intentional results. In essence, Lord, I don't want to put no effort into my tongue, into my speech, into my words. But Lord, I want to be wise with my words. In essence, tonight, if you and I are going to be wise with our words, it goes back to two weeks ago. It starts with the desire. Lord, help me to talk right. Lord, help me to say what is needed to be said tonight. And when I say talk right, I'm not talking about pronouncing your words correctly because there's many of people who have a far lesser education level than most of us and they speak simply and they speak plainly, but it's full of wisdom. And there's a lot of people who could use words that talk over all of our heads tonight and we'd leave out of here saying, I have no idea what they said, but I don't think it was right. Right, it's, it lacks wisdom. The reality is you and I sometimes we want to be lazy but still enjoy the results that only come through effort. Preacher, my tongue, I struggle with it. And I, I mean, I've prayed about it, preacher. Okay, that's great. Ask the Lord for help. But then you've got to get the word of God in your heart and then you've got to study and practice. Lord, give me discernment, God. When I begin to let my flesh fill up and rear up in me, Lord, remind me to heed myself to you. Lord, help me to put in the effort because it's more than just a desire. There has to be an action behind it. You know, we want to be lazy but still enjoy the results of an intentful life. They only come through effort. It, it don't work like that in anything else in life. Matter of fact, if you master anything else in life, 
whether it's a skill, a trade, or, or an education, if you become a master in it, there is a level of intent and effort that has to be put in. You can't just, well, I hope it works out. I hope, I, I hope one day I learn how to use this thing. Until now, I'm going to beat it on everything. I'm going to go, preacher, I'm going to go home and put a toothbrush in it. Oh, please record it if you do. I'll send it in to America's Funniest Home Videos and we'll split the, the million dollars, amen? They probably, matter of fact, they probably wouldn't be able to put that on TV. And again, nowadays, they probably would. But it don't work like that. If you want to master something in life, you can't just hope you do. It takes effort. It takes intent. The thing about sports, the greatest sports people that we know who are great at their craft, who are great at their sport, they didn't just show up to the majors one day. No, there was a life of intent and effort behind it that we would step back and say, man, they are a master at that. And the same thing is true with our tongue. We can, we can hope all day long, I, I want to get a better tongue, but there has to be intent and effort behind it. And when we put the intent and effort behind it, we'll begin to see the Lord help us master our tongue. How do we know we're beginning to master our tongue? Notice this, your tongue will become a source of satisfaction. Look at verse number 20. A man's belly shall be satisfied with the fruit of his mouth. And with the increase of his lips shall he be filled. You will start to experience the regret of saying things the wrong way and saying it with the wrong, or saying the wrong thing or saying it the wrong way less and less. You'll be able to leave conversations and say, praise the Lord, I was able to keep my testimony. I was, I was able to help in that sense or, or, you know, one of those things. You begin to see the Lord begin to work in those things. When you put the intent and the effort to master your tongue, it'll become a source of satisfaction. Not that you're anything great, not that you're anything wonderful, not that you're better than anybody else, but you, you've simply seen the Lord beginning to work in your life. Sometimes we, 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 we forget that the Christian life, yes, we are already seated in heavenly places. Yes, in the eyes of God, you and I are perfect tonight. We understand that tonight. But there is a such thing as progressive sanctification that while we are living down here, God is constantly working on us. And a lot of the times, and, and, and you may not know what I'm talking about here tonight, but when I was working in the cabinet shop, we had a, when I first started there, I, I, I got the wonderful job of sanding countertops. It is, an, it, is a, it is an amazing experience. You, you put a sander on a countertop, and two hours later, you're finally done. But we start off, you start off with a, a lower number grit, and if you know anything about sanding, the lower the number is, the, the rougher the grit is. And we'd start off with 80 grit sandpaper. And that was, you literally scratched the whole top back up. But you, you're taking off all the bumps, the rough edges, those kind of things. Then we'd come back with 120. You'd work all the way across the top that way, and that begins to smooth it out. And then you come back with 220, and that would make it even smoother and smoother. And then you'd get to like 360, and that would get even smoother and smoother. And then you would put that down. You would go grab a big buffer, and that buffer would put 1,000 grit sandpaper on there. It feels like foam. And you would put it on there and that would begin to buff it out. And you would take in this process. See, a lot of times in our Christian life, we remember the day that we got saved and God put 80 grit in our life. He knocked off some things and he knocked them off quick. He changed us drastically. But then we sometimes forget that as we're walking in the Christian life, it, those, that process never stops, but it does get finer and finer. 
God begins to deal. And he said, well, preacher, yes, I no longer struggle with drugs or alcohol. But man, I'm still struggling with my tongue. That's, that's that refining process in God. But here's the thing. When you would take that thousand grit, you would get done with it. That, that top would be shining. I, I remember thinking, man, this is awesome. This thing looks great. Look what I did. <laughs> Brother Mike Andrews would be, well, it looks like a countertop, son. <laughs> Thanks. But I remember looking at it, and here's the thing. The, the more that I worked on it, there became a glare that came off of it, and now my reflection was reflecting off the countertop. The reality is the more that God works in our life, the more that Christ refines and takes that, that finer grit in our life, it's not so you and I can boast up and look real good. It's so there's a greater reflection of him in our life. People can see the one that's working on us. And when God begins to do that in your life, it's not just going to be in your actions, it's going to be in your words. You'll be able to step back and say, thank you, Lord, for allowing me to say the right things and do the right things. And your words will no longer become a source of regret and hurt and pain, but they'll become a source of satisfaction. <laughs> Every now and again, my wife will ask me going home, especially when she's not in the service, she'll say, how'd the service go? Uh, how was preaching? How, how did it, how, how'd you do? There's been some times where it was good. I felt like I preached the way that I wanted to, but there's been some times I've said some things I've definitely regretted. Why, preacher? Because not everybody gets my sense of humor. Not everybody can pick up on my sarcasm. Not everybody gets, not everything gets said specifically or specific enough. And, and my wife will tell me, she says, now I know what you believe. And I know how you believe on this subject, but, but did you realize when you said that? I said, I didn't even realize that. I'm like, man, now, now the people probably think I, I, I'm, I'm a, uh, what's the, not, not a charismatic, I'm a, uh, I can't think of the word now, I'm not a blasphemer, a lunatic, heretic, there it is, heretic. <laughs> Listen, I use the word pernicious tonight, amen? But there's been times, there's been times where, where it's no longer about me, I got to make sure I keep their attention. I got to make sure they're, they're involved. I got to make sure. And there's been times where I just step back and, 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 all right, Lord, just use me how you want to use me. Lord, I'm not worried about all that kind of stuff. I, I, I just wanted to preach the word of God. And there's been times, and not just in here, but different places I've preached where you can tell people are listening, people are drawn in. And I step back and say, well, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for using me in that sense. In the very things that I was telling them, not only did I need to hear them, but God allows them to help me. And in essence, it's one of those Yes, son, I can use you. And boy, that helps my heart more than most people know. They'll become a source of satisfaction. When you begin to see your words help and not hurt, you'll experience satisfaction without regret. Not only that, when you master your words, will they become a source of satisfaction, but they will become a source of wisdom. Look at verse number four. The words of a man's mouth are as deep waters and the wellspring of wisdom as a flowing brook. Notice here tonight, it's a wellspring. It's not a septic pool. It's not a stagnant pool of water. But when you and I begin to allow the Lord to work in our life and, and we begin to, to put that effort in, not that we, we don't settle for idle words, but Lord, help me in my words to be words of intent and words of purpose. And, the, and you go to the word of God and you begin to study it and those things become out like a wet, they'll just spring out of you. You don't have to force it. You don't have to walk around with a name tag, master of wisdom, ask me anything. 
those things will just flow out of you. One of the things I love about getting around old men of God who have been faithful, not, not just that they're old, but who have been faithful to serve and faithful to preach and been faithful to study, is they don't realize, I don't know if they realize or not, but a lot of times that wisdom just oozes out of them. It springs up out of them. And I feel like I'm just with a bucket trying to catch it all. Could you repeat that, please? I didn't catch it the first time. But the other day, I received a great compliment the other day. And the person who told it probably didn't know that I was going to hear it. They made, they made a comment to somebody else uh, and they went along these lines. He said, listen, you need to listen to Preacher Tate because when it comes to that subject, he knows what he's talking about. Now, I ain't wrote no books on the subject and I'm probably not going to. I'd feel sorry for anybody who has to edit after me. <laughs> Those of you who get my morning devotions know what I'm talking about. <laughs> There's probably some of y'all, his doctrine's off there. No, it's just a typo. <laughs> But there are certain things in my life that, that because of my own want, my own desire, because I wanted better and I, I desired the best, nobody told me I had to. It was just something that God had put in my heart and God allowed me to study and he showed me some things. I don't walk around saying, hey, I'm a master of this, but I do know what works and I do know what helps and I do know what has been a blessing in my life and I'm just gonna tell it to you and you don't have to do it, but if you want to, you can. And I found out some of the things that I've been able to tell other people, it's helped them. It's blessed them. And they've been able to use it, the wisdom that God can give us, and then we are able to give it to others. I'd much rather be a wellspring of wisdom than a well-knower of everybody else's business. I'd much rather be a wellspring of wisdom. And here's the thing tonight. When you begin to ask God to help you master your words, God is going to bring people into your life who what he's giving you, you are going to give to them. You're not going to have to set up anything. You're not going to have to make appointments. You're not going to have to get a billboard and advertise. But as God begins to put wisdom in your heart because you said, you know what, I'm not settling on idle words. I'm not settling on, on lack effort. Then I'm going to put the effort in to study God's word to help me with my words. God is going to put somebody in your path who needs to hear your wisdom in that sense. Because really it's not yours, it's his. He's going to use you in that sense. In your words, when you begin to allow God to help you master your words, your words will become a source of wisdom. They may not leave out of your presence knowing what's going on in anybody else's life or what everybody else is saying. They'll be able to walk away and say, that's what the word of God says. That's what I need. Let me ask you now, are you misusing your words or are you going to be a master of your words? One who asks the Lord to help you master your words. Are you intent on mastering your words for God's glory tonight? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father.